Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for September 27th, 2023, and I hope that this finds all of you doing very well indeed. I'm delighted to have this time with you because today is story time, but today is an incredible, incredible, intriguing, powerful, wonderful story time, where we see God's providence on display in Acts chapter 12. If you're new here, we're just making our way through Acts, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we started chapter 12 yesterday. Well, we ended chapter 11, and we saw the effect of the gospel, the power of the gospel, and that the gospel is not just an idea. It's transformative. It ought to change why you do what you do. And we see this on display not only in Gentiles receiving the gospel, but in Gentiles considering the Jews that are Christians their brothers. Already you see Christianity triumphing over the biases, the the prejudices of this world, and reducing humanity down to those who belong to Jesus and those who do not yet belong to Jesus, right? As a side note, there's different philosophies and ideas when it comes to how human beings work and, and how Christianity works. But you just got to be an optimist, right? And and I know, I get it. I get it. That That's a personality issue. Some people are pessimist, right? Some people see the glass half full. Um, some people see the glass um, half empty, right? I, I, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I'm an optimist. I can't help but be because listen to the things that we've been focusing on, right? How the Lord is able to break down any barrier, anything the world sets up that ought to divide us. The Lord, he cuts through all of that stuff. And we see amazing things happen. And not only do we see amazing things happen on a large scale, we see amazing amazing things happen on, on a very particular scale. And that's where we're picking up next. Where we left off yesterday really was just a few verses in. We ended in chapter, or excuse me, in verse 5 of chapter 12, when it talks about the fact that Peter was arrested. He was in prison. At this point, James, the brother of John, had been put to death by the sword. They brought Peter in. It's this politician thing, right, where Herod has James put to death, not the James, the writer of Scripture, other James, right? He has James, the brother of John, put to death, and he sees how much the people like it. So he goes and gets Peter, and guess what he's planning for Peter? But where we left off yesterday said in verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Mm. And how will God answer those prayers? Again, it's story time. Let's pray first then. Our Father, we pray that you would be with us in this time. Help us to accept your word for what it is. This isn't some fable. It's not some some caricature. It's, it's not an allegory. What we're about to read is is what happened. I mean, it, it, it happened in time and space. It shows your power, yes, over the things of this world, but it shows your provision, too, and that nothing will stop you from building your church. And to that end, those whom you have called, oh, Father, nothing will stop us. Um, because you've called us. And, and, and Father, we pray that as the evil one makes his attempts, as he will try to slow down, to hamper, discourage, that he would be thwarted. And instead, um, by the power of the gospel, by the work of your Holy Spirit, your word would increase and increase. Your kingdom would grow and grow. Give us that faith. Let us see your hand at work and recognizing that you're you're going to do it. 
you will do it. And, and you give us the incredible gift of being along with you as you work out your grand redemptive plan. So please guide us in this time as we enjoy seeing the kind of God that you are, as we enjoy seeing you taking the kings of earth and making a mockery out of them, as we enjoy seeing the word going forward. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've given you a lot of hints in what I just prayed. Of course, I wasn't talking to you. But nevertheless, what a glorious thing it is to have the Word of God and to see God's hand at work. Again, we left things. Verse 5, chapter 12 of Acts. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Verse 6, the night before Herod was going to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. All right, time out. Read between the lines here. The first off, the first thing that we should see or that we should read between the lines, this is the night before Herod was going to bring Peter to trial. Now, y'all, this may surprise you, but this is not going to be an O.J. Simpson length trial, okay? It's going to be quick, especially because King Herod has seen how much the people enjoyed when he had James, the brother of John, put to death. It's going to be a really short trial, and the, the sentence pronounced subsequently would also be really short. In other words, read between the lines, it's down to the wire for Peter. Okay, verse 5 talks about the church earnestly praying to God. There's a lot packed into that word earnestly. They know it's down to the wire for Peter too. They know that either the Lord's going to intervene and Peter will be saved or not. And y'all, there's no wondering about what would happen because again, James, the brother of John, had just been put to death by the sword. What does that mean? Most likely it means he was beheaded. There's a certain finality to that sort of thing, right? So they know the score. They know what's going on. It's the night before. And we also know that given previous events that have taken place, Herod is taking this seriously. And Luke is very specific about this, right? He's sleeping between two soldiers. You know, imagine, you know, me leaned against the wall and there's a soldier on either side of me snoozing. So there's two soldiers, you know, one on either side of him. He's bound with two separate chains, okay? He ain't getting loose. And besides, even if something happened to the two guards, even if something happened to the two chains, sentries stood guard at the entrance. That's there at the end of verse 6. So what do we find out? Verse 7, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. You know, this is the first hint that we get, not only of the specificity, right, of the specifics that Luke details. Let's be honest. There is kind of a comical side to what's going on. The angel gets there. He doesn't say, Peter, wake up. No, smack. You know, he, he, he gives him an elbow, right? He, he strikes him on the side. Then he says, quick, get up. It's interesting that the angel isn't concerned about being quiet. He is concerned about Peter being quick, but he's not concerned about being quiet. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off. <laughs> Did they break? I don't know. They were on his wrists. So they could have been wrapped around his wrist. He could have had manacles on. Did those pop open? 
I don't know. We just know that those two separate chains have now fallen off. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. You know, this is the first hint also that we get that, that Peter is processing things, but maybe things aren't clicking for him, right? It, that the angel's having to tell him to, to get up and get dressed. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Now this is starting to make a little bit more sense. You know, could it be that, angel, that that Peter saw the angel and he didn't do anything, so so the the angel you know nudged him? I I don't know. Um, could it be that Peter is in the same mode that he was in when he was on the rooftop when he had the vision? We don't know. All we know is that as this is happening, you know, this doesn't mean that Peter was resigned to the fact that he was going to stand trial, that he was resigned to the fact that he was going to die. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that what's going on here is so incredible. It had that, that, that vision like that, that dream like quality. And that's got to make sense, right? You know, again, an angel of the Lord appeared, a light shone in the cell. Have you ever been to any of these places, you know, where, where you see these ancient fortresses and prisons that, you know, we went to, um, to one of the prisons in Rome where supposedly Paul was kept, right? And it is deep and it is dark, y'all. This has the quality of a dream, of a vision. Your light is shining in the cell, and it's got to be some kind of heavenly light because it's an angel, right? Chains just fall off. You know, I, I get being freed from chains, but it's like, hey, all right, give me your wrist. You know, where's the key? But none of that happens. And so Peter... It's almost like this is a, a too good to be true thing, right? He had, again, verse nine, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Now, what happened to the sentries that were stationed outside of the door? I don't know. It doesn't say. They're in a prison. One can only rationalize that there were probably, it doesn't have to be, Probably there were other prisoners. They're not going nuts or anything saying, hey, what about me? We don't hear anything about that. Um, and even if there weren't other prisoners there, maybe it was solitary. You know, maybe he's on his own in a wing of his own. There's got to be other soldiers. There's got to be somebody, a cook. A, 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 but we don't hear about it. We hear none of it. All we know is that Peter's there, the guards are on the side of him, the angel's there, the chains fell off. They just walk out of the prison, all right? And it doesn't stop there. Again, verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea uh, what the angel was doing was really happening. Um, He thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. So they've gotten out of the prison. And then they went past the guards. Did the guards not see them? I don't know. But I know that they got out of the prison. They went past all the guards on the outside of the prison. And then they got to the iron gate leading to the city. You know, read between the lines again. The the prison is on the outside of the city. They get to the city. Y'all, this iron gate... It's not like an iron gate that you might see at a cemetery somewhere, some ornate thing. No, this is a serious iron gate. And it was a gate at a wall 
And the implication was they closed up the city at night to keep the people out that needed to stay out. It was a defensive mechanism. And there they are. They make it to the iron gate. Continuing in verse 10, it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. (laughs) Iron is not dainty, okay? And an iron gate for a military application, as in keeping people out of a city, was not some light thing. And not only is it unlocked, it opens by itself. Now do you get why Peter is thinking, this has got to be a vision? Am I sleepwalking? This has got to be some sort of dream. The gate opened by itself and they walked through it. Again, end of verse 10. When they had walked the length of one street, Suddenly the angel left him. Then, verse 11, Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angels and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. That ought to show you that Peter knows what was going on with Herod. They knew that James, brother of John, had been put to death. They knew how much the people celebrated it. Peter knew that he was not going to receive a fair trial. Peter knew what Herod was going to do with him. And he knew that the Jewish people were anticipating it with gleeful excitement. They couldn't wait to see Peter get his. Verse 12, when this had dawned on him, right? (laughs) Finally, Peter wakes up and he realizes Well, that wasn't a trance. It wasn't some kind of dream. Uh, It wasn't a vision. It's real. Verse 12, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. Okay, it's Mary, mother of John called Mark. All right. So he went there. He knows that many people were there from the church and they were praying. And as I said before, it kind of gets comical here. Verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Y'all. Again, I said it's story time. Imagine what this is. You know, Rhoda, this servant girl, we know that she's a follower of Christ because she's part of the throng that had gathered there to pray for Peter. In the midst of this prayer, somebody knocks at the outer gate. She's the servant girl. She goes to see who it is. It's the very one that they're praying for. And she's so excited, she forgets to let him in. They're praying for his deliverance. They know that he's on the run, or those that if they see him, he would be on the run, right? But she leaves him out there. She's so overjoyed. And then verse 15, what's fascinating is this. You know, you ladies, we men just give you a hard time sometimes because this is really quite similar to what happened with Jesus after Jesus had risen from the dead, right? The ladies were the first one there. They went and they saw that the grave was empty. They went back and they told the disciples, and they're like, ah, come on. Uh, what's going on here, right? She exclaimed, Peter's at the door, verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Now, two very interesting things there. Their first response to her was, you're out of your mind, you're crazy. Their second response is, well, if you saw him, then that means he's probably dead. That's what this term angel meant, that it was most likely his spirit that she had seen, and he was already gone. Y'all, there's a lesson for us, and it's a powerful 
devotional lesson for us. It's a powerful, practical lesson for us revealed here. And this ought to inform something that we do, inform us about how we do what we do. Y'all, we are called to pray, and prayer is an act of obedience. But built into that calling is to pray expectantly, to pray with faith. Because otherwise, it's really just wishing. And what we see here is an indictment of sorts. They're praying, and when they receive the answer to their prayer, their first thought is, oh, that's crazy. We are called to so much more. Prayer is not us going to some cosmic wishing well and fishing around in our pocket and coming up with a quarter and you know, tossing it in the well and closing our eyes and, and really wishing hard and then saying, well, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't happen. Y'all, what does that say about your view of God if that's prayer to you? What does that say that you really believe about God? Does it say that you believe he's your father that loves to give you good things, that cherishes you, that longs to fill you with goodness? Because that's who God is, y'all. You know, it, it took... To a certain extent, it, yesterday was National Daughters Day. By the time you see this, it'll be two days ago. But anyway, I, I did the Facebook thing. But it it occurred to me, it really took having a child of my own to begin to understand, because I don't understand it. I, in no way, shape, or form am I a perfect father. I am selfish. I, I fail. I don't do the things that I should, and, and, and I need the Lord's forgiveness and direction every day. But y'all, just being a father— I know how much I delight in giving my child gifts. Oh, I love it. I love it. When I was a kid at Christmas time, you know, people talked about, oh, well, you know, it, I would hear them say, oh, it's so much better when you have kids of your own. And I thought, okay, if you say so, where's my next present? Right. But really and truly, um, the, the, the ability to give gifts to your child. Oh, to love them, to give them good things. It, it just, it fills my heart right now, just talking about it. And it can be the littlest stuff. You know, pick up something from the grocery store that they like. Now, I will say this, the reason that I react such a way is that Isabella, uh, mine and Amanda's daughter, she is so precious, y'all. Oh, my goodness. And I know everybody says that about their children. But in terms of gratitude... She is a grateful child. And I know she's 15 years old. She's always going to be my baby. But she is so grateful. And that even more so adds to the delight that I have in seeing her gratitude. And also she knows. She knows that when I give her something, she knows that I give it to her because I love her. And she reflects that love back. And it's just this beautiful thing. And I'm so imperfect, y'all. And I'm so selfish. And my motivations are impure. And again, the Lord is working on me and working on me. God is the perfect father. How much more so than me does he love to give good gifts to his children? How much more does he appreciate gratitude? Hmm? And I say this with a heavy heart because he gives me all sorts of things. I don't even recognize he gives them to me. I don't have the good sense to recognize them as gifts, but he does. Oh, he loves you so much. So when you pray and when you ask him to do something, and realize that sometimes the answer is no, and it's no because he loves you, because he knows what's best. 
And he knows that sometimes it's no because there's something far better that's coming. It, that's his business. He gets all that. But y'all, even so, we're to pray with the expectation that God not only hears our prayer, but delights in answering them. And when he does, our response should not be to the one who lets us know, you're out of your mind, or being convicted that there's no way our prayer could have been answered, because that's what's going on here. But there's a lesson for us, and there was a lesson for them. Verse 16, Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Y'all, I know it's astonishing. In terms of unlikely things, they were praying. And, 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 and while there's an indictment here for them, there's truth here too, because they were doing what they were supposed to do, even though it was against all odds. Because this wasn't just Peter was arrested or Peter was getting hassled. This is King Herod himself, right? Remember the last time that, 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 that he had had somebody arrested was James. James was already dead. Before that, uh, Herod wasn't too big of a fan. None, none of them were of Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus was executed. It's the most unlikely scenario ever for deliverance. But y'all, would Peter being delivered be any more unlikely than what happened with the Gentiles coming to faith? Would it, would it be certainly any more unlikely than Jesus being arrested and crucified and then rising again? Y'all, it makes sense that they were astonished on one hand, but when you think about the fact that we serve an astonishing God, oh, he's astonishing. He's able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. It's okay to be pleasantly surprised, but we shouldn't be when he comes through because he always comes through. Verse 17, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. <laughs> Peter's wise, right? The Lord saved him, but he ain't hanging around. Verse 18, in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. Again, there's a humorous side to this. No small commotion. That's putting it loudly. Two guards, two chains, sentries outside, locked in the prison. He's gone. In the morning, they realize it. The place blows up. And then very sadly, after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards. I'm guessing that was not a nice experience. You know, Miranda rights didn't exist then. And uh, neither did this, oh, no, 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 we can't do this tactic or that tactic. Y'all, in terms of the history of the world, uh, people that are able to get information out of other people, Italians are really good at that. Romans were the absolute pros. He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. That's a poignant end. That points to who Herod really is. He's a murderer. He's a madman. But y'all, it's also a poignant end in that it shows us what was going to happen until the Lord intervened. But the challenge for us is first to pray. They did what they were supposed to do. They prayed. And then the challenge is to wait because the Lord is in the business of intervening. 
That's our devotional thought for today, and the bells are going off, so let me pray. Our Father, I thank you for this time that you've given to us, and I pray your blessings on everyone here. Thank you for loving us so much, for loving us so well. Let us not be astonished at your goodness. Instead, let us proclaim it. Let us pray expectantly. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. By the time you see this, it'll be Wednesday, so I'll invite you to come on out tonight, 6.45 to 7.30, and I do try to stick to that very closely. Really, I do. Uh, I try to respect your time, but 6.45 to 7.30, we continue our study in the book of Hebrews. We would love to have you. Until then, have a great day.